0: Stephen, Rachel, Drew, and Adam have played and led us in our praise. Emma Rooney, Jenny, Shannon, Sarah, Lucy, Camilla, Helen, Angus, Johnny, John George, Mark, Simon, Ashley, Davy, and Paul are right now Helping our kids learn about courage in junior church. Colleen, Sandy, Stephen, Angela, and Daniela are just in a room back here looking after our babies and toddlers. Anil, Suzanne, Andrew were here early this morning getting coffee and tea ready for all of us to drink after the service. Joshua, Lizzie, Nicola and Mark were here this morning at 8am setting up this hall and we'll be here long after we're gone, taking it all apart again. James, Paul and Matt have been here for hours, setting up the PA system, running the visuals, Ralph and Paul have been here for hours, will be here for hours, as first and second deacons on duty this morning. Christine, Heather, Dorothea, Brian have been supporting those deacons by welcoming people, collecting, offering, giving out communion, etc. Sally is on duty. He's the elder on duty this morning. Mark, Houston, Mamiafwa, Ben, Lindsay, Peter, Louise, John, Tanya, Sarah, Daniel, another Sarah, Katie, another Sarah, Stephen, Zara, Mark, Simon are all currently leaders on the youth weekend down at Millerton House. There are 64 away altogether, 19 leaders. Some 60 people playing their part to enable church to happen, to enable church to function well, to function effectively, to function better. Two weeks ago, we enjoyed our side-by-side weekend together. There was the conference on Saturday with Andrew Collins, and then on Sunday, Brian Johnson took us through that incident in Luke 24, where two discouraged and confused disciples were accompanied by Jesus on their journey to Emmaus. This morning, we're going back, or we're continuing with this idea of side-by-side, only not so much thinking about the importance and value of walking side-by-side through life's experiences and circumstances, but rather this morning, we're going to think of what it means to serve side-by-side as those 60 people plus that I have just listed are doing and have done this morning. And so if you have a Bible, could I invite you to turn and encourage you to turn to Nehemiah chapter three. The words or some of them are gonna appear on the screen shortly. But last week we looked at how Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem and after a period of rest, he then went on a nighttime tour off the city, a tour of the broken walls and the burnt gates and the piles of rubble. And as he confronted the reality of what was before him, Nehemiah launched a recruitment drive and he tried to get people involved with him and he did four things. Can anyone who was here last week remember any of the four things that Nehemiah did? The first thing was he was Sorry, honest, brilliant. Anything else you remember? What else did he do? He invited participation. He offered motivation and he shared his story. Some people remember, thank you. And in response to this, in response to this, all the people, it says, shouted, at least spoke it quite loudly, let us start rebuilding. Opposition then reared its ugly head, as it often does whenever opportunities arise. And in Nehemiah 3, we're about to discover what happened next. Now, Nehemiah 3 is not one of those go-to chapters for most people. It doesn't feature in too many daily devotional readings. This is one of those chapters of the Bible people skim or skip. Because as you glance down it, if you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, if you glance down it or some of it, you will see that it consists of just a list of names and a whole catalog of places Lots of them difficult to pronounce, which is possibly why, in fact, it's totally why I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Nehemiah 3 has been described as a colorless memorandum of assignments. A colorless memorandum of assignments. But you know something? We are going to read some of it. And the reason we're going to read some of it, and we really should read all of it, is because, and we believe this passionately here at Windsor, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is useful for training and correcting and rebuking. Even the apparently dull bits, the boring parts, the what's-all-that-about sections, all of it is useful so please rise with me as i try to read a selection of verses okay arise and be patient here we go some of it, it'll be on the screen elezeb the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate they dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the tower of the hundred which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish kit was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and they put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Mirmoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshelem, son of Berica, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bena, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Jump down to verse 17. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, son of Bani. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Kela, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Benwi, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half district of Kela. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua. Ruler of Mizpah repaired another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zebah, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the house of Elishab, the high priest. And next to him, Mirmoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hachos, repaired another section from the entrance of Elishab's house to the end of it. And on and on it goes. Grab a seat. Now amidst all the names, and amidst all the places that I've just read out, there was a phrase, and I've kind of highlighted it on the screen, there was a phrase that just kept recurring. Anybody pick up on it? Next to him, or next to them. See, if you read down the 32 verses, you will find that phrase 20 times. And what you've got is this incredible, striking picture of people working next to one another on a common cause, serving side by side in a God-inspired vision. And therefore, I want to suggest, as many others have done, this is not a colorless memorandum of assignments or what other negative phrase you want to use to describe Nehemiah chapter 3. But what this is, is an example, it's an illustration of a group of people acting together a bit like how a church should. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to explore six observations from a New Testament construction site that I believe still speaks into our situation as a local church here at Windsor in October 2016. So here's the six observations. You can follow these with me. The first is this all the people who were willing to work were given the opportunity. So whether it was priests or professionals, whether it was nobility or common, men or women, all are mentioned politicians, native residents, outsiders, construction crews, artisans, anyone who was willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved was given the chance the opportunity to join in. Some repaired walls close to their home. Others were sent out to repair walls in other local communities. Some picked up rubble. Some gathered rubble. Others labored on specific gates. Anyone prepared to be part of this was given the opportunity to be part of this. And as a result, things got done reconstruction, restoration occurred. And in any local church, there needs to be opportunities given and opportunities taken. There's work to be done here. Lots of work to be done here at Windsor. And if you are willing to be involved, we want to give you an opportunity. The second observation is this that people from very diverse backgrounds and with different skill sets were all prepared to get involved. Have a look again if you've got a Bible at verses eight and nine. Because what you've got is a perfume maker, a goldsmith, and a district ruler all standing next to one another laying bricks. It's a striking image, or it, it kind of should be. It's an arresting image. Now, you could argue, you might argue, like, what did a perfume maker, a goldsmith, and and a kind of politician, what did they know about constructing walls and mixing mortar? But that wasn't the issue. One, here were people who were willing to learn, and secondly, they stood alongside others who helped them play their part, who showed them what to do. You see, as one commentator writes, the person who says he or she cannot work, I cannot be involved in this, because they do not know how, it's beyond their experience, it's outside of their comfort zones, they should learn a lesson from a perfume maker who exchanged a delicately scented liquid for a pile of rocks in a trowel. Do you know one of the beauties of local church? is whenever different people from different backgrounds with different day jobs come together to serve. Who stand side by side, who are willing to learn from one another and enable things to be done. To enable international Bible studies to happen. To enable kids to be taught. To enable babies and toddlers to be looked after. To enable a hall like this to be set up. You know, whatever your background, whatever you do nine to five, get involved, even if it feels outside of your depth or outside of your comfort zone. Get involved. Another interesting observation is that some of the people were willing to work in more difficult places and environments than others. Have a look at verse 14. 14. The dung gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth-Hakarim. He rebuilt it, and he put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Now, short straw or what, right? Do you know, that's probably one of those occasions whenever, if you didn't show up for the planning meeting, whenever the jobs were being divvied out, you got the rubbish one, literally. <laughs> the dung gate, or, or the refuse gate, as it's referred to in some translations, that was the gate through which the waste, the manure, the garbage was taken. It's not a great, not a pleasant place to work or serve. And notice that it appears to be a guy who was a bit of a high flyer who took that job. He was a ruler, a local politician, And as you read on into the next verse, those of you who've got a copy of God's word in front of you, read on into verse 14, you will notice that compared to the working conditions of the next guy, you definitely sense that some are more willing to work in worse places than others. Shalom, according to verse 15, gets to work at the fountain gate, at the wall of a pool, at the king's garden. Shalom gets to smell flowers every day. Malkaja gets to smell, well, let's just say, let's just say his daily aroma was different. And in any local church, there are jobs and there are services and there are places to get involved that are a little less or a lot less attractive than others. A little bit more messy. A little more bit behind the scenes. A little more demanding. A little more smelly. Literally. Fourth observation. Some people were willing to work harder than others. Look at verse 20. It says this, that Baruch zealously repaired another section. Let me, just a couple of phrases or a couple of comments on that phrase. When it says there, he repaired another section, what that means or what that implies is there were some people, and, and that phrase, repaired another section, occurs a number of times. And many commentators feel that what it means is that whenever someone is said to have repaired another section, what they did was they repaired the section they were designated to repair, and then they repaired another one. They, they kind of went the extra mile. They did more than they were asked to do. And and this guy, Baruch seems to have done that. But he did it, notice, zealously. It's the only time where attitude towards work is mentioned. And that word zealously in this context means to burn or to glow. In other words, he did it with a smile on his face. He worked hard, not through gritted teeth because he felt he had to out of a sense of duty, but because he wanted to with a positive attitude. And let's be honest. See, that kind of a person, that kind of a person is a gift to a church. That kind of a person is a pleasure to serve side by side with. Fifth observation. Some of the people who were able to work weren't prepared to. Verse five, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. Why? Why? Well, we're, we're not told why. They just simply refused. And, and maybe it was because, well, that's, that's beneath me. Or I, I don't kind of have to do or want to do that sort of work alongside those sort of people. So the nobles decided, nah. And sometimes it it still happens, doesn't it? People reckon, you know, certain jobs are just far too ordinary. I'm kind of above that, past that. We stand back and let's just let others get on with it final observation. And this takes us into the start of chapter four, because it says that the people who worked with their hands revealed the condition of their hearts. It says this, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked, and here's the bit, with all their heart. You see, whenever people serve side by side with the right attitude, anything's possible. Anything is doable as these people discovered. But on the flip side, whenever people serve with a bad or a wrong attitude, it affects not only the task in hand, but it also affects the people around you. And again, we're, we're back to that question. And I don't apologize for coming back to this question, and I keep coming back to this question. How's your heart this morning? Because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Nehemiah 3 is not a colorless memorandum of assignments, it's a picture of people, most people, serving side by side. Opportunities given, opportunities taken. Different and diverse people working together. People prepared to serve wherever. People willing to work hard. Some don't want to play their part. Others doing it with their right heart. Nehemiah 3 is an early picture of church. Church in the New Testament is described as a what? It's described as a body. And it's not made up of one part, but many. And according to God's word, each part of the body has a role to play. Yes, we're all different. We're not all hands and we're not all feet. But we need each other. And we need to serve alongside each other or the body doesn't function well, better, effectively. Writing to the local church in Ephesus, Paul stresses the importance of everyone getting involved. He says, listen, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. We are Christ's body. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. How does it do that? How does it grow and build itself up in love, says Paul, as Each part does its work. (laughs) Needs everybody. That's why it encourages the life out of me that 60 people, that's just this morning and that's just now, are willing to play their part. Wherever. Nehemiah 3 is a kind of snapshot of what this every part working together looks like. It's not a dull recital of forgotten names. And the reality, is, see most of the people on that list, we've never heard of them. We know nothing else about them. Do you know what Nehemiah 3 is? It's an important record of heroic people who joined in and served side by side in God's purpose. And so as we wrestle with sacred text that at times seems, when you read Nehemiah, you think, that is disconnected from me. That is irrelevant. Let's consider its usefulness in helping us to reflect on our willingness to serve together here because the success of God's work today depends not entirely, I know, but depends largely on this side-by-side mentality. just one final thought someone has said there are three types of people there are constructionists destructionists obstructionists constructionists are those who help get the work done destructionists are those intent on tearing down the work and the workers and obstructionists are those who create problems for people doing doing the work all three of them were in and around nehemiah 3 My prayer, my hope, my dream is that we would be a church of constructionists.